This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. So this will be the main audio for the service this week because uh, Kayla slipped on the ice, which happens a lot this time of year, and looks like he broke his ankle, might need surgery, he's at the hospital right now. Okay. You can hear the the gallery in the background is my children. Oh, do ya? Thanks, bud. Um, my son's gonna be a doctor someday, I think. So, um, yeah. Last uh, my last update is that they he's on a bunch of meds, so pretty 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 feeling feeling pretty good right now, and he's at the hospital and they're taking X-rays, so. I was like, Kayla, why don't you just come to service and let us heal it, you know? <laughs> Go to the hospital, really. Um, that's a joke. That is a joke. Um, so what are we doing today? We are finishing up. We finished Galatians last week. But what I do at the end of every Galatians service is um, do kind of like the best of. So this is Galatians 7. There is no 7. Kind of do a best of uh, of Galatians. Just kind of hit all the points, the good points. All, you know, surprised at the things I've decided to skip this time. But So we're going to get into it. Um, If you haven't listened to the talks, real quick, Paul is um, basically defending himself, defending his theology, at the same time probably getting one of the greatest messages of grace in the Bible, Um, correcting people, it's a rebuke letter, it's a hopeful letter, it's a letter that kind of frees up people from identities, really a lot. A lot of stuff. Yeah, I hope Caleb gets better too. I just see somebody wrote something on, on Facebook. Because the poor guy has to, you know, right now doesn't have a car, so he has to run, usually walk to work. And if he's on, uh, on a cast, we might have to do like a GoFundMe or something for Caleb. So, just an idea. Um, so yeah, so we're in Galatians. We're talking about Paul, and we're going to kind of do the best of Galatians. Um, so we're going to start looking at Galatians 1, 6 through 7. That's where we're going to hit it. It says, uh, Paul, Paul starts right off, right off the bat with kind of this like idea of, uh, you know, on shock and awe. He goes, uh, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. So, Paul feels like there's this, this, this I'll, I'll read seven. Not that there's another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you 
who want to pervert the gospel of Christ. And basically what's happening, and we've talked about this before, is, is a group of people are coming in and saying they want grace plus. And that's what a lot of us like, is uh, grace with an asterisk. Because grace seems to be a completely unfair thing to any one group of people. No one can claim it. It is very, it is a type of anarchy in my opinion. Because no system gets to claim grace, which is pretty amazing. Um, but Paul is very upset that the, 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 the Galatians are getting away from the message of grace and getting back into works, getting back into the idea that they have to be circumcised, or that they have to do certain things, or um, think certain ways, or vote certain ways. <laughs> Don't think they're voting. But uh, you know that that was one of the things Paul was very, very disillusioned with. Um, to jump over to one ten, Paul says, uh, Am I now seeking human approval or God's approval? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And I think the idea here is if you really step back a little bit and go like, this message of grace that is inclusive of all people um, is not very popular. But his critics were saying he's trying to win you over. He's trying to say nice things. He's trying to make you feel very comfortable with um, make you feel very comfortable with with uh, he's trying to tickle your ears. Basically, he's trying to say what you want to hear. And um, so that's what he's being, he's being accused of, is being like this people pleaser of like this message of grace. It's so good, you know. I got to stop falling down. I'm like I can't see you anymore. Um, get much better posture doing the Facebook lives. Um, so yeah, let's look at that. So if I was still trying to please people, I please people, I wouldn't be a follower of Christ at all. So that's that's he's just nailing. He's saying, I'm shocked you're turning away so soon from good news. And now I'm shocked, you know, you think I'm trying to be a people pleaser and win you over by this message of grace, but I'm not doing that. I wouldn't be preaching Christ. And we see it kind of unfold of obviously why he's not pleasing people, not even his fellow um, apostles are not happy with them. Um, jumping over to one twelve, he says, uh, I need new glasses. 12-11. This is a total dyslexic moment when I write in my notes Galatians 1, 12 through 11. That's pretty crazy. There he goes, For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed to me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from human sources, nor was I taught it by receiving it through the revelation of Christ Jesus. So Paul's basically saying, you know, this comes straight from Christ. He's trying to say this message is a simple 
This is a Christian message. This comes straight from Christ. This was inspired by Christ, not by my teachings, not by other people. I was not influenced by anyone. Um, because part of the argument was, was that he wasn't a real apostle because, or a real pro, you know, prophet because he wasn't one of the twelve who was with Christ. So, you know, everything they can do to argue him down. Um, jumps on to say if you jump over to Galatians 1.23 which is pretty cool he goes you know the only heard it's they only heard it said the one who was formerly was persecuting us is now proclaiming the faith he once tried to destroy and they glorified God because of me so here's another interesting thing about the Apostle Paul is that he killed Christians. Um, some people are just like, oh, he was really mean to them, but he was a Christian killer, and he went out and found them and hurt them and violently persecuted them until he had this road to Damascus thing. So you have this like complete repentance, this complete change of humanity, this complete uh, evolution of, of, uh, of faith, you know, of someone who's, who's come around and sees things differently. And so here you go from enemy to the church to the biggest influencer of the church. Is that kind of interesting that, that a type of grace exists? I mean, it, it, so the example of grace isn't just in Paul's message, it's in Paul's life. And Paul's life was a prime example of that, a prime example of what grace can do and what the evolution of, of change can do. I was going to be pretty sure about that. Um, Galatians 2.6, and I love this part. I've always liked 2.6 a lot, and I think it's one that's not covered um, too often. He goes, and those who were supposed to be acknowledged leaders, what actually were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those leaders contributed nothing to me. Now what I like about this, this verse is the idea that God shows no partiality. You know, God doesn't have a favorite person or a favorite group of people or people in a, like there's not some faction that you can join up and be like hey I've got everything together you know um, we're the right ones you know growing up I would always hear people say like you know he's a chosen man of God and we have to respect that you know and it's like no there is no special chosen man of God you know often people go to church because they want the pastor to lead on their behalf, you know. <laughs> they like that idea of the leader, and the, this one, he must have the phone, the bat phone to God, you know, and it's like, that doesn't exist. God has no favorites. So when people say, well, I'm a man of God, that's, yes, you know. And even Paul kind of slips into it every now and then. But Paul has also showed us, because because there, you know, there's contradictions in every human being, and Paul has contradictions just like any other human being. 
please. Um, so, so no partiality, and, and that's a good thing to remember. So when you we went. When you're arguing on Twitter or arguing with other people <laughs> and a pastor comes in and drops you some knowledge, you don't have to think that they have it all together because it's not the truth. Um, Galatians 2, 11 through 14 says, uh, this, is the, this is the good one. This is the good one. Um, This is one of my favorite ones right here. Um, but when Cephas came to Anatoch and opposed him to his face, I had to oppose him to his face because he stopped, because he stood self-condemned. For until certain people came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But after he came, he drew back, and after they came, he drew back and kept himself separate for fear of the circumcision faction. Now remember, Paul talks about factions, and circumcision faction is going to be my new punk band name. Um, but he talks about, you know, later on about things that are opposite of the fruits of the spirit are factions. Um, but he goes, he drew back and sat the circumcision faction, and that's the group who's saying you need to be circumcised in order to be a real Christian. And the other Jews joined him by this hypocrisy, so that even Barnabas was led astray. Now Barnabas was working with Paul and Paul's like buddy by their hypocrisy. But when I saw this, that they were not acting consistently with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile, not like a Jew, how can you compel the Gentiles to live like a Jew? And so, you know, Paul is rebuking Peter, the cornerstone of the church. You know, he's he, 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 he's very clearly, like, showing, he's showing us in this letter that he has authority. You know, he's showing us who he has, and he's showing us that there's hypocrisy even within the leadership that is the foundation of the Christian church, and that we need to be kept in check, you know, and that he had to sit down and have a tough conversation with Peter, because Peter was getting away from the gospel message that is the good news. Right? So that, once again, when you step away, it shows us that, that you know, not only does God have no favorites, is that these guys were still trying to figure out what the gospel was, what theology was, what their philosophy was, and the great thing about Paul was is that he was continuously wanting to work on this getting rid of this us and them mentality in the church, which unfortunately we have a ton of in the church today, um, based you know right now and in, in, in this time, based on like the government or what your politics are. You know, there's a big separation there, um, and so. Paul was like, this is, this is, this is crap. You know, we've got to, we, this whole, like, scapegoating one another, separating from one another, not working with another one, not working with one another is, is garbage. Um, 
And even when Peter does it, I'm going to stand up and say, we can't do this us and them type of thing. That there's that the scapegoating is the beginning of the end of the church. That you know, that's 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 what he's saying. He's saying like when we scapegoat each other, when we create this dynamic um, of us and them, this dualistic type of thinking, the church will be destroyed. And that's what we're doing. I mean, we've got more than us and them. We've got all sorts of different types of levels. It's like watching politics now, watching like Bernie Sanders starting to win certain things, and now watching like some of the some some of the some of the, the, the liberals, uh, uh, progressives that I follow. Uh, some of them are upset, upset about that. So 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 some of the. Um, you know, people are now like infighting within the infighting. You know, and it's really funny to watch this like dynamic happen. And of course, that's going to happen. But the idea is, is, is we've really got to do what we can to avoid factions. It's important um, to get rid of this us versus them type of thing. And, and that's why I get drawn to things like anarchism and anarchy is because. Um, I don't like this dual. Um, sorry, son's at church today, so he's thirsty. Um, well, anyway, uh, sorry, I got totally there for a second. Let's look at the Galatians two eighteen through twenty one. Galatians 2.18 so, so Paul comes in again to make it clear he goes but if I built up again the very thing that I once tore down then I demonstrate that I'm a transgressor for through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God and have been crucified with Christ it is no longer me who lives but Christ who lives in me and in this life, I now live, and I now live in the flesh. I live in faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. So He's very clear about not rebuilding old systems, not rebuilding religious systems, uh, not going back to the. You can only be a good. Christian, if you're also good at Judaism, and if you're good at memorizing verses, or if you're good at doing A, B, C, or D, he's saying we've got to get away from that. And um, what we rebuild the system, and this funny thing is, we totally rebuild the law. You know, I was um, on on Twitter the other day, and I was I'm really surprised that there's still arguments about people like not wanting women to speak preach in the church and um, the, what happened was is this guy said you know asked this question I guess it was like this Calvinist preacher you asked this question saying what if um, your daughter became a preacher and then would you go to her ordination would you watch her preach and if she performed a wedding would you go to that or would you let her perform the wedding of your children 
And of course, a lot of these um, Calvinists are like, no way, I would never do that. You know, and I was like, this is incredible, like, that they're still having this kind of conversation about if women can preach or not. Because first of all, I just wanted to be like, show me what, why a woman shouldn't preach. Like, give me an example. You know, that, that you can't give an example to a man. Give me that example. But for me, it's clearly that type of theology is clearly setting up the law. Now they were all quoting Timothy and things like that, and if you have any uh, understanding, or if you know, familiar with my work, um, I believe the pastoral epistles are, are just garbage, and um, and not really books that belong in the Bible. No, it's okay. Um, um, because uh, I believe they're forgeries, and I believe they're anti-Paul. No, Minnie, I'm working, sweetie. I can't do it. Sorry, but the kids are here. No, sweetie, you want to sit up here? Okay, you can sit up here for a minute. I need you to be quiet, though, okay? So, so, anyhow, where was I? Oh, rebuilding the old system. And um, and uh, and creating a new law, and I totally felt like this idea of, and it's funny because it's reformed faith, it's reformed theology, is that is that um, it's a total creation of a new law, saying women can't speak, women can't preach, and that they have a certain place in the gospel, you know, and that and to me it's like like they can't be preachers. It was just like. That is a creation of a new law because that is totally a thing of saying like, you know, Paul is the same person who said there's neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor, male nor free, male nor female. But then all of a sudden saying that women somehow can't lead and can't teach is like, to me, a creation of a new law. So yes, I would argue that some reformed theology is that is rigid has rebuilt a system. It might not be Judeo-Christian system, but it is a system of law and rules and regulations that um, is not what Christianity is intended to be. So, bring it if you like. Um, Galatians 3, 1 through 5 says... You foolish Galatians. I mean, Paul goes right back into it. You foolish Galatians. He's not the most sensitive guy in the world. Who has bewitched you? Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly exhibited as crucified. The only thing I wanted to learn from you is this. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law? or by believing what you have heard. Are you now so foolish? Having started with the Spirit, are you now ending in the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing? If really was for nothing, well then, does God supply you with the Spirit and work miracles amongst you by your doing the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Now this is one thing that's really interesting is the idea of flesh. 
Because I've always heard you're going to die to your flesh, and you've got to, you know, give into your flesh. And so when I was growing up, I always thought that meant like, you know, don't go to radio rap movies, don't listen to rap music and secular music, and don't, you know, don't do this, and don't smoke or chew or go with girls that do. Um, it was simplified, but what Paul here is saying, when he's saying die to the flesh, is he's saying die to the religious system that demands you to make fleshly sacrifices. Free yourself from that. Free yourself that the flesh is not just something that goes and does like what what general people would think is a sin, but it also is drawn to the sin of legalism. And we see legalism is such a strong thing right now. I see it in, you know, you can be a liberal and you can be woke and you can be legalistic. You know, because then you start to have your own rules and regulations in a system that you build and start to see, like, if you see contradictions in someone's life or they're not as woke as you are and you point that out and say that they don't belong, well, then all of a sudden there becomes a rules and regulations and laws of who's in and who's out. And so that is, that's a fleshly thing. You're saying you have to do this, A, B, and C, and think this way in order to be a part of my group, which is a faction which Paul warns us against creating factions. I mean, this is tough stuff, you know. Um, But I think what he's trying to do is encourage us to learn how to work together. Because I I like at the end when he talks about carrying one another's burdens, but then he says also kind of get used to carrying your own burden because don't expect anybody else to carry your burden. Like, you should help carry other people's burdens, but they might not carry yours. So I'm saying this is going to be tough work. This isn't going to be easy to change the church. This isn't going to be easy to get out of the us and them mentality because we all have it. We all have it. It's human nature to create. So the conservatives are really great at it. The liberals are really great at it. We're all really great at creating systems and factions that say who's in and who's out, and those things are, can be things of the flesh, or things of pride. Because we often point out other people's contradictions because we want to be right. We don't want to look at our own contradictions as well. Um, and, you know, and then it ends up sometimes us summing up all people as all bad. And I did this on Twitter the other day. I talked about this on Twitter. Is like anybody who voted for Trump must be completely bad. And you know what? If you know human beings, if you know humanity, no one person is all good or all bad. I am not all good. There's, I've got some demons and some darkness and mean thoughts and things I've said and done. Um, you know, we're all, we're all human beings going through a human experience. And so when we want to be like, well, we're the good ones and they're the bad ones, um, there's something in work in our head, you know? Um, and we see this a lot with even people who, like, leave Christianity and become ex-Christians, and they become really bitter and really angry, and they don't, like... Basically, they do the same things they did as Christians. They're just as angry as they were as Christians, but all they did was change the mode of what they believe. Like, now I don't believe this, but I'm still legalistic here. You know? Or ex-smokers or people, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we, we just become 
zealous with our new thing. So we haven't changed, only the belief system has changed. We're still there, we're still legalistic, we're still judgmental. The things that actually should change and be transformed in our lives aren't being transformed because we aren't looking at ourselves. We're not seeing ourselves as the problem because we bought into that type of system, That, but we're seeing the system as the problem, and so we just move to another system and become as legalistic and, and, and angry as we were in the other system. And neither one works, because then we go, well, I, I was wrong, and now I realize that system's all bad. No, no, it's just not that simple, and we're not changing if we just want to just blame whatever group we decide to leave and change go, oh, it was the group's problem, not my problem. And the fact is, it is our problems. We need to change the mode of thinking in our own lives, in our own heart, and take a bigger look at how do we create change inside ourselves and then eventually create change on the outside rather than just changing one one um, fundamentalism for another fundamentalism. Does that make sense? And I think Paul was Paul saw that happening is that it was just this fundamentalism just continued to change and switch back and forth. You know, I mean Peter was all about, oh yeah, Paul, I love your grace stuff. It's really great. We're all for it. And then James's people came along and they're like, oh, we're kind of freaked out, so we're going to move back over here, you know. And it's just kind of this constant switching to factions and groups. And uh, I think there's a better way to do things, but I think it requires us to talk to, to self-reflection, to work on ourselves, and maybe even get into therapy, you know. So we need to. I don't know. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to let everybody kind of figure that out on your own. Look at yourselves and uh, call your therapist. Um, Galatians 3.17. My point is this, Paul says. Put this in. Um, My point is this. The law which came 430 years later does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. For there is inheritance comes from the law. It no longer comes from the promise. But God granted it to Abraham through the promise. So Paul's saying here is that 430 years prior to the law being given, grace was given to us. And he's saying grace has always been the main message. So people want to be like, well, I believe the Bible. The Bible says this, and it's, you know, God said it, that sells it, and it's over. Well, then the argument to those folks, it's literalists, is you can say, well, grace existed way before the law. The law was only there to be temporary. So you shouldn't recreate the law, you know, and we shouldn't rebuild the law. We shouldn't go back to the law because the law was temporary. If you really want to go back to originally what the promise was, is the promise was grace. You were saved by faith. You know, you believe something and that's it. It's taken care of. You are accepted. You just accept the fact that you are accepted. 
then the harder part of that is accepting the fact that others are accepted. But that's why it requires us to look within ourselves. Otherwise, we just continue to create more divisions of us and them and just go like the group and I think my dynamics what's happening of we're the right ones and they're the wrong ones. And now that I've stepped out of that a lot, even in my own politics, it's, it, it feels very lonely sometimes. But I also realize is that there's a lot of self-reflection. And I've realized a lot of my own judgments. And I've also realized where some of those things that people are doing that I, that I was firmly disagreeing with even a few weeks ago, that there are some good things to certain types of those politics. Isn't that weird? But it's coming from self-reflection. You know, there's certain things that that the progressives or the woke folks really do get and get right, and there's certain things I think you should be progressive and woke about, but there's other things that I think we've got to give up and sacrifice or the whole system's going to die. But I've learned that because I've been feeling alone lately and not feeling like I've had a group to really associate with because I don't feel I'm not a progressive, I'm not a conservative, I don't know what I am anymore. I'm not a moderate, I don't think. So what do you do with that? Um, so now everybody just I'll just shut this off because I have no, I have no platform. It's in the bag right there. Um, parenting and preaching at the same time is it's an art form. I'll be teaching on that next week. Um, and showing you a video of all the goldfish that are covering the fish and loaves. I think there's a sermon there. Um, just be Jay, don't try. Um, okay, here we go. My favorite one, Galatians 3.28. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For all you are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, Milo. No, thank you, buddy. That's too loud. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that hammers away at like why I have a problem with with this pastoral epistle because it completely like Paul just became a different person. He tears down my hierarchy. He tears down. Uh, social, the social ladder, and then all of a sudden he decides to rebuild it and give us rules and regulations on why certain people are above other certain people when he's completely tore that down. And the fact is, is if you read, if you understand how those books were written, when they were written, how they were written, it just doesn't add up that those books were written by Paul. More than likely, those books were written much later after Paul was murdered. Um, So, sorry, everybody. I mean, you can still take them and use them. There's some good stuff in them. I just don't, you know. Um, I like to have less to work with. Kind of lazy. Maybe I'll choose some other Bible book verses to get rid of. Um, if you had told me I would be doing, saying that type of thing like 15, 20 years ago, I would be like, you're crazy. That's her heresy. Um... 
But he's saying there's no there's no ID in Christ. So there is no conservative, there is no woke, there is no person in if you're in Christ. And that was the argument I was having with my dad when I was with him last time, is that um, it's my fault I packed the McDonald's truck. Shouldn't happen. Um, as I was saying, Dad, we're arguing about politics and about politicians, and isn't the thing that brings us common ground is Christ? You know, isn't that the common ground that we should have here? Not these politicians, not not freaking Paul, you know, not, not freaking Trump or or Warren or Bernie or whatever. Who cares? Like these are not the two. We should not. This is not what should be separating us. This should not be the end all, beginning and end of all things. Christ is what brings us together. That's what we should be talking about. And maybe we should be arguing in theology and not politics. Now there are important things of politics, like kids in cages and things like that. They're that necessary that we should be speaking out against. But everybody should be speaking out against. It's a no-brainer. Equality, racism. Things like that. I think if you talk to a lot of conservatives, you would sit down and go, like, do you believe women should get equal rights? They would say yes. Do you believe racism is wrong? Yes. The problem is, is we have a president like Trump who plays into a base of people who are racist and white, what do they call them? Supremacists? Well, I mean, white supremacists, but they have another word for them. Nationalists. Nationalists, you know, so he plays into that group. But the fact is that just because he's playing in that group doesn't mean all conservatives feel that way. They don't. I know them. You know, if a lot of my conservative friends believe that all people should have, you know, that LGBTQ people should have equality to the point where I talked to one of my friends and they said, I don't think I can vote. You know, they're like, if Sanders becomes a, the candidate, I can't vote for him, and I don't think I can ever vote for Trump again because I don't like the bad parts of the politics. So the idea is, is like, you know, we want to think, sum up everybody as being bad or that they agree with their candidates 100%. And I've had someone argue with me that on, on Reddit recently, telling me that you support them 100% if you vote for them. But the fact is, is that's just not the case. It's not possible. I don't think most people are bad or good. I think most people, though, are kind of sensible. You know, and do want to see equality. I would say there's even Christians who probably think that being LGBTQ is a sin who still think they should have equal rights. This isn't a popular message. I don't care being preached very often. We've talked about a lot, and I see the viewership dropping as I talk about it. It's really fun to have that number up there. I'm going to figure out a way to take that down. Um, plays with my head. Um, but the fact is that we're not we're, we're supposed to have our identity in Christ first. Could you imagine that? Like if we were just like human beings to one another, and just going through a human experience. But we do put a ton of stuff into our identities, and I get that. And identities are important, and people have suffered because of their identities. And I worked towards ending that type of suffering with folks who've been judged for their identities. But um, but it's also because I saw them as 
as just friends and people I loved and cared about and thought. But what I realized is I'm not fighting against people and fighting against misinformation or maybe the way someone was raised or taught to read the Bible. So what I'm trying to do is become an educator and help people grow and think differently rather than going, you're the enemy, something's wrong with you. It's going, hey, let's look at ourselves and see what we've learned and see how we can change. And maybe that it's the idea isn't that we're, we're bad, but the idea is that our thinking is off. You know, maybe it's time to learn to think differently and um, outside the box and be sensible. Um, Galatians 4, 16. Where are you, 416? There you are. Paul says, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? And that's what's happening is Paul is telling the truth of this radical, inclusive gospel. And um, and, and, and he's become enemies to people for that. And that, that's what will happen is when you start loving your enemies' enemies, you'll become an enemy. When you start asking people to think differently and look at themselves and not take the easy road, I think with politics, we just go like, okay, I'm with this group or I'm with that group. This group's bad. This group's good. Um, for us, a lot of the times that's lazy thinking and fear of self-reflection. So we just get caught up and go, this is the easiest way to do, you know? And a lot of people I see who are like social justice warriors online, you know, they get way more clicks talking about how someone is bad or someone's a psychopath or people don't care about, you know, no voter for Trump cares about women. They're going to get 800 likes and more recognition from that type of tweet or Facebook message or Instagram post than they are going to be like, well, you know what, maybe we're not all that different. You know, I say something like that and I get like five likes. You know? And, and, and so I understand that it's it's easier, but I don't think we're thinking in the long game of we as, as humans in the future and how we learn to work with one another and that maybe we don't get into this mess again. So am I becoming your enemy because I'm speaking the truth or making you uncomfortable? Sorry. I don't say up here. <laughs> Bring it on. Um, Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firmly, therefore, and do not submit against the yokes of slavery. So basically be free. Live a life of freedom. Um... I think that's a good idea. Is let's learn to live a, right, a life of freedom. Freedom from, even when we can, from our identities. Um, to maybe learn how to love people and have conversations with people. Um, I saw one of my friends who I know who, who struggles with mental health issues like I do. And one of the things I can say is that I am an obsessive thinker. Um, and I have a lot of mental health issues that I struggle with. But a lot of that thinking and that negative thoughts 
and constantly analyzing things um, also gives me the ability to speak like this and to think like this and to get out of my comfort zone. And so I think, well, I've got mentally ill. I've got learning disabilities. How could I ever do this? But it's caused me to be a critical thinker. And it's caused me to um, overanalyze things. And I feel like it's a blessing and a curse. But for my work, it's a blessing. And so it's caused me to say, like, okay, there is a third way or a fourth way or a fifth way. There is another way to do it. And, um, and I think it, it's supported in the gospel. And I think maybe we missed it. You know, that's why I always come back to Galatians because I just can't, can't mine it enough. It's, like it's just continually this rich mine of, of treasure, you know. Um, I love it. But, you know, let's be free and live in freedom. And so if you do have, like, mental health issues and things like that, don't allow that to be a reason not to do anything. Allow that to be a reason to do something because maybe those pains that you feel will allow you to understand the pains of others, the suffering of others, the hurts of other, others, um, when you feel so deeply. And I actually sometimes feel sorry for people who don't have mental illness and don't feel deep pain because I feel like they don't, they lack empathy. And I, and I sometimes often feel very sad for people who lack empathy. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But I think our empathy is powerful um, and a powerful tool to communicate with all people. Um, okay, Galatians 5, 4 and 6 says, You who want to be justified by the law have cut yourself off from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. So he's saying when we get into these ideas that somehow something makes us worthy of grace, even far as even going as far as who we vote for or who we choose politically or how we you know what we do, he's saying you've been cut off from grace because this isn't about it. So I think beware of judging each other's salvation or who's a real Christian and who's not a real Christian. That's not up to us. We don't know that. These are a lot of sick people love Jesus. Most sick people love Jesus. Okay, um, uh, religion doesn't bring in the healthiest group of people in the world, folks. I'm just going to say, you know, um, and it's supposed to be a hospital, and yet we expect everybody to have other shit together. I don't get it. Um, you know. So when we get into these games, we're really cutting ourselves off from grace. And we're, and we're causing other people not to experience grace when we say, oh, well, here's the asterisk. You can't be a real Christian if you do A, B, C, or D. The fact is, is maybe they are a real Christian, but they have misinformation, or they were raised differently. Um, and they have other issues. And the fact is, is maybe if it's angering you so much, maybe you need to look inside you and be like, why is this making me so angry? Is there actually something that I see about myself in that person? Do I recognize the legalism? Do I recognize, is there something that I hate about? Because often when we hate other people or we disagree with other people, we will find that part of that is in within us. And those are the things that we can't, we don't like about ourselves. We just see it presented to us. So that's another thing that question yourself is, 
is this something that I see within myself that I need to look at and work on before I can sit down? Remember the whole, like, why worry about the speck in your neighbor's eye if you have a log in your own eye? But this is a lot more of a slower process than yelling and screaming online. You know, it takes a little bit more work. It takes a lot of reflection, and it's not always fun. I think therapy really can help you work through some of this stuff, to be honest with you, if you can get it. Um, I, I thank goodness I'm on Obamacare, so <laughs> I'm able to go back to therapy, which is nice. Because um, I understand therapy is not cheap. Um, Galatians 5, 14 through 15. This is another one that's extremely important. Oh, it's goldfish. Um, if, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Paul is this constant reminder that we've got to not destroy each other. To not constantly bite and devour one another. So does this mean we're just weak and we let anything go? No, but the fact is, is that we, you know, we know when we're being mean. We know when we're stepping outside of discussion or or um, productive conversation or a productive debate, um, and when we start to hit below the belt or do things like that. We know when we're doing that. And what he's saying is, is don't do that. Don't bite and devour one another. And don't get to the point where you're consumed with others by your hate and your anger. Because often, we're so angry at the other side, we're so angry at those people, that it consumes us, and we become almost mere images of them with just our message is right and yours is wrong. And it hurts us. You know? Hate and, and lack of forgiveness has hurt me more than when I've forgiven people, even when they don't ask for forgiveness. Sometimes you just gotta let it let shit go. And it's really hard to do. It's really a struggle to do. But sometimes it'll give you the power to be able to communicate with those people better. And sometimes you don't have a choice to be out of a relationship. You just don't. You know? I mean a lot of people who work in politics have to be in situations where they're with people who think differently than them and believe differently than them. But if they want to work together, they have to do productive things, and they can't bite and devour one another, or there's no relationship, and then the world's split. All right, almost done here. Yep. I'm skipping the fruits of the Spirit, believe it or not. Galatians 1, Galatians 6, 1 through 6 says, My friends, if anyone is... Detected in transgressions, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in the Spirit in gentleness. Take care that you yourself are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will you will fulfill the law. For those who are nothing, think of themselves as something, are really deceiving themselves. Thanks, buddy. My son's giving me goldfish. Revolution sponsored by goldfish. Um, you guys are little monsters um, the idea is restore each other help each other out build each one up think about if we restored our enemies and restored the enemies and we were the ones who said we want to help you when things fall apart 
For me, the people who've loved me in the darkest moments have changed my life, have changed my theology, have changed the way that I think. Um, love is, is really, like Martin Luther King said, is the only force capable of turning an enemy into a friend. And restoration is a huge part of that. But sometimes restoration just comes from just showing someone your love and sharing one's humanity with another and admitting your own contradictions. Um, and I like the idea of bearing one another's burdens, helping each other lift the hard stuff. Because I need it. You know, you guys do it for me. I need it. Um, it's tough to, you know, it's it's tough to be in a situation where you're constantly challenging people. And I have friends, you know, who are able to sit down with me and talk through some of this stuff. I have friends, like my buddy Sean, who sometimes pushes back on me. But in the same way of him pushing back, I feel like he's helping carry my burden, not causing more of a burden, but helping me look at myself to go like, okay, am I thinking my theology, am I thinking my philosophy, am I thinking my teaching completely through, correctly? And sometimes that's sharing one another's burdens. Um, anyway, I want to thank everybody for, for watching today. I want to thank everybody here. Usually we do um, after works, after glow, where we talk and share. Um, but because my kids are insane right now, and Caleb's leg is broken. I think we're just not going to do any feedback today. Is that okay, everybody? And maybe I'll try to answer some of these questions that um, you guys put in here on Facebook. But thank you so much for listening. Thanks for coming to Revolution. Um, if you want to support Revolution, you can go to revolutionchurch.com uh, slash donation, I think. And donate there. It really helps us a lot. Uh, keeps this church going and we're probably going to need to do something for Caleb because that poor guy is going to need to get to work and we're going to have to figure out a way to do Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. I will tell Caleb you love him. Bye. Our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. I wasn't really aware of how many resources were out there until I started listening to you guys. And then Caleb in his like podcast, like just amazingness, like there's so many. Um, once I started following you, Caleb, like I started finding all these other ones. Um, that's sweet. So, nice. Yeah, that's been that's super like amazing, like super helpful because again, I didn't know all this stuff was out there.